The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to The Shepherded Work, a weekly program to help you learn how to live your Christian faith in every place you work and live. Host Mark Goldstein introduces you to individuals who are successfully and effectively engaging in marketplace ministry and gives you the tools you need to do the same. The Shepherded Work is sponsored by the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, building kingdom, business, and community. Now, here's your host, Mark Goldstein. Welcome to another edition of The Shepherd at Work. Mark Goldstein in the studio with Mike Gillen and a longtime dear friend, Don Kirkendall, owner of uh, Kirkendall Insurance, Affordable One Insurance. Uh, we actually, Mike, we have no agenda today. It, you know, I've loved Don so much for so many years. Let's go play golf. <laughs> well, you know, he... You haven't seen me play golf, man. It's really <laughs> ugly. <laughs> he handles all my insurance. I just love watching him work. I love watching him interact with his clients. Uh, he's an insurance agent with a heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought we'd just spend a little time with Don today. Welcome to the studio, Don. Thank you. Appreciate that. And yes, it's I, my last time out at golf was so bad. I gave away everything. The it, balls, the tees. The clubs? The clubs I've still got. <laughs> okay. Uh, but they're getting ready to be cleared out pretty soon oh man it was ugly <laughs> yeah. well don you haven't always been in in insurance uh you've had a very interesting past uh one of being uh um, an army recruiter you were in high-tech communications computers for a lot of years well before insurance ever happened so uh, tell me tell us uh your time in the military you were a recruiter and you were a top recruiter did you always tell the truth? Well, absolutely. And that was one of the things that was awful interesting because if you go back in time to where we actually had a draft in this country and then we transitioned away from the draft to an all-volunteer force. And when that happened, the military had to go out and sell itself to people. And I went in the military right out of high school because I wanted to go to college. We had a GI Bill and I eventually got four college degrees paid for by the government four. for doing that. Yep. More than your share, my More man. More than my share. I worked it and worked it well. In fact, not far. One school I went to is very close to this studio, and so uh, during my time in the military, I, I had worked at the United States Army Recruiting Command as a computer person. They have large computer systems, and I went down and volunteered to be a recruiter. And the reason I volunteered was I got sick and tired of all these stories about my recruiter lied to me. Of course, they did. And so that was one of my passionate things on recruiting duty. You're going to get the truth. You're not going to like the truth, but you're going to get it one way or another. And here's how it worked. And in that entire time, anytime someone came up with that story, somebody lied to me, we would go check on it. We would investigate it on our own time, our own thing. And we literally found one person. And he had enlisted to drive boats in the Army. People don't realize the Army has boats. They have these landing craft things. They have all kinds of interesting things. And he had done that job, or he had enlisted to do that job at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Problem with that is there's no boats at Fort Campbell, mm. Kentucky. <laughs> Only lakes. So yeah. when he showed up there, he couldn't do his job, and he went down. He said, I have a contract, and they, they let him out. And a year later, he came back. He joined again, came back into the military. He was so shocked that they had let him out of it. But the reality of it is we never found anyone. And the way the system works today 
even back then, as a recruiter, you couldn't make a commitment because they would require that person to write down in writing what they had been told before they would allow them to enlist. But since I knew that eventually you're going to rotate back into the service, you want to have good people there because you might end up working with someone that you enlisted in the military. So how long were you a recruiter? Five years. And so there's one thing I didn't get. I got a gold badge. I got three sapphires, meritorious service medal, Army Commendation Medal, everything but they have a ring. And I came within a heartbeat of getting it, but it just didn't happen. And so and uh, my wife, who was in the service with me, managed to lose my gold badge. So, <laughs> and, uh, But it was a big deal for us at that time. So was it after that that you got into uh, computers, high tech? Well, I used to get letters, job offers all the time because you were a recruiter. So obviously you're a salesperson, but I had been in computers in the military. And so that combination of things. And so when I walked out the door, it wasn't a problem for me to secure a position, a job. So I spent about 20 some years in computers. So back in your heyday during doing computers, what was the biggest hard drive that uh, in a computer you sold? Well, they were called DASD, Direct Access Storage Device. And I actually have a picture of this thing. It's about as big around as a uh, LP record, if you know what an LP record is. Mm. And it was about six inches tall. And you would take this thing over and put it in a box and spin it down, lock it down. You had to be very, very careful with them. Uh, and they stored five megabytes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny that we got our first computer in Orlando years ago when I first moved down here, uh, the church office that I worked for, and they paid, I think, $5,000 for a computer that basically uh, stored all of its data on a little floppy, you know, one of the big yeah. floppy disks mm -hmm. that's there. And later we got a computer out and it had something like 640K storage. And one of the computer guys mentioned to me, that's more memory than you'll ever need. Well, sure. I, I worked for Radio Shack because they came to me because I had purchased one of the first TRS-80s mm. when I was on recruiting duty. And they're like, you're one of the few guys that we know that actually knows how to operate, knows anything about it. And we sold a Model 2 computer. It was $3,890, had one 8-inch floppy drive on it. And uh. you could hook up three of those. And when you were operating them, you could hear the noise as it accessed the drives. And they came out with a five megabyte hard drive to plug into that. And it cost $3,800. Yeah, yeah. And we sold those crazy things like they were bubble gum. I mean, yeah. people, you just couldn't wait to get your hands on them. Yeah. When I was um, up in Indiana there for a while, I had a little bit of a side business, a side hustle going on where I was selling paper products for this uh, friend of mine. And he, I, I got a phone call and it was a, a guy that it was a music store owner. And I hadn't really known him before this, but he owned um, a music store and had bought one of these TRS-80s. And so he wanted to do something that was brand new in that day. And that was to develop uh, a, a an NCR form that was tractor fed and, and you could hook it up to the computer because all this was new where you could print your invoices uh, from the standpoint of, uh, you know, your computer and running all of that. And so we, that's, 
I made the first sale uh, for him and maybe one of the first in our area uh, for that kind of uh, three-part carbon, it was carbon paper in between forms that was tractor-fed. Mm. So, Don, interesting story, Mike. So, tra <laughs> tractor-fed, I, I like that. <laughs> tractor-fed. It was, it was it a was. huge deal. Yeah, yeah it was. We had daisy wheel printers that printed exactly like a typewriter, and you would mount tractor thing on yeah. them, whereas the dot printers would come with the tractor thing, and the profit on paper products was enormous back then. Mm, yeah. I see I lost market tractor right there. I, right there. I lost That's him it. on there. Yeah, yeah. It's not green doesn't have a deer on it. <laughs> so, so, Don, as with uh, your time in the Army, you really excelled uh, in the company. You were kind of tops in sales and all that. So why did you get out of that, and how did, you, how did that segue into insurance? I got old. It's, this is really bizarre. The computer industry... That's a true story. I ended up in internet security. Uh, we did security monitoring, meaning that you go back to 911. We had a, the company I worked for had a security center right behind Dulles Airport, and we had people who got trapped there because when the attack came down, the, this whole place locked itself down. You couldn't get in. You weren't getting out. And so we did the monitoring of it to watch traffic across the internet. Well, the company that I worked for made the giant decision that. They would shoot the top half of their sales force. And for every two guys, they'd hire three guys. And it's genius thinking like that that's part of the reason they're not in business anymore. <laughs> and so I was one of those guys. And so I come home, and my wife's like, why are you home? Because I used to travel extensively. I said, I got fired. And she said, how'd you get fired? And I go, they fired a group of us, and they weren't even secret about it, you know, why they were moving us out of there. And so now you're out looking for a job, but now you're up at that age where very difficult. Mm -hmm. I had gone from people burning my phone up to not happening. So I got a call from a company here to come down for an interview. A hundred other people got that phone call and they made us offers, started with that company, figured out in about two weeks, this wasn't a good idea. Went to another company where someone who had worked for me at a computer company called me and said, you should come over here. And I worked there for almost two years and made the decision. I didn't like being what's called a captive agent. Captive agent sells the products of that one company. And so I didn't have a comfort level with that. And when I walked out the door, five guys followed me and instantly I was an insurance agency. Mm. So how long have you been, uh, an insurance agent and principal of a company. Well, I mean, I've had I've had a license for probably 17 years and had an agency for at least 15, 16 of that. And so we started out Health Life and Medicare. That's Affordable One Insurance. So th there was the practical reason for, for doing that. But now the why. Why has this now become a career? Why do you stay in it? Um, is it a, a, a calling or, uh, or just something that you're too lazy to do something else? <laughs> well, you know, you get to a point where if you want to do something else, that's one program. Um, it is something that's transitioned itself to something that we do very, very well. And then we got Kirkendall insurance years ago when Obamacare rolled in the door because we knew Obamacare was going to drastically change the whole health life side. And so we got into the property, casualty, commercial, auto, homeowner side of it. And that side has really 
taken off, especially in the last few months because of all the issues going on in Florida. But, you know, why do you stay in it? It's on. There are days when it is the most frustrating thing on planet Earth, and then there are days when you, you've done something terrific for someone and you're so happy about that that it really truly makes it worthwhile. But are, have there been a lot of changes? Huge changes. And by the way, uh, Don, you are the less laziest person yeah. that that I know. You you are sun up to sundown, and and more than that. So, when we come back, uh, let's talk about insurance. What we need to know but don't know to ask. Okay. So you're listening to the Shepherd at Work, Mark Goldstein with Mike Gillen, and our dear friend Don Kirkendall in the studio. We'll be right back. If you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people, visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407-258-3578. Hey, this is Mike Gilland, Operations Manager at the Shepherd Radio Network, with a special invitation for you to join me daily, Monday through Friday, for my show, Afternoons with Mike. Our show is aired at 3.05 p.m. and replayed twice, first the same night at 9.05 p.m., then the next morning at 10.05 a.m. It's my privilege to have a wide variety of guests on my show, ranging from senators to pastors, celebrities to singers and businessmen and women. The common thread to each episode is our goal to look at life through the lens of a biblical worldview. You can listen on air to any of the three Shepherd stations in Florida. Plus, you can listen online at our homepage, theshepherdradio.com. Listen on demand to our podcast, available on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. All you have to do is use the search phrase, Afternoons with Mike. Ladies, do you want the men in your lives to be better husbands, fathers, and providers? Men, do you want all that and more? Christ-Led Communities has the answer. With men's Bible studies and group experiences, Christ-Led Communities has a curriculum that meets most every man's spiritual needs. Visit clchq.org to learn about your opportunities to grow in Christ in a Christ-Led community. The website again is clchq.org or 407-484-3899. Once again, here's Mark Goldstein. And we're back to Shepherd at Work. Mark Goldstein again in the studio with Mike Gillen and our dear friend Don Kirkendall from Affordable One Insurance and Kirkendall Insurance. So, Don, before we went to the break, we were talking about uh, all things insurance. Um, what, what about insurance? What are some of the things that we really need to know but we don't know to ask? Well, the biggest misconception First off, there are no deals. The, the things that drive us crazy. I was at a Chamber of Commerce meeting this morning, and we got into the discussion about quoting and how you get prices and how those things happen. And the reality of life is that, no, there is no top secret place on the Internet where you're going to get this great, wonderful, cheap price. That isn't going to happen. And if you do go out there and you do get a wonderful, cheap price, they probably won't sell you the policy. And people are like, how can they do that? And that's what's very simple. You lied. 
when you did the online application. You might not have done it on purpose, but you left something out, and so now they're not going to honor their end of it because you didn't honor your end of it. Perfect example. woman comes to me, wants life insurance for her husband. Okay, he's in his 50s. So what do I know about him? I know he's been to a doctor, knows what a doctor is, probably has high blood pressure, takes some pills. No, he doesn't. He doesn't take any pills and he hasn't been to a doctor. Okay, fine. They're going to do a paramed. When they do, they increase his price 30%. She calls me up. Why is that? Because when I asked you, you didn't tell me. They assume there's something else you didn't tell them. Therefore, to cover themselves, they're going to raise their price. And so those deals aren't really deals. Oh, the, the other thing that comes up so much is, I haven't filed a claim in 10 years on my house. Why do I have to pay so much? Because insurance is based on the law of large numbers. They're not worried about you. They're worried about the 300 people that live in your neighborhood, of which 50 of them have filed a claim. You just haven't done that yet. And so things that people need to understand is that all the frog on TV and the aircraft carrier where he's jumping around the helicopter, I'm sorry, there is no frog. He's not on the helicopter. No, he's not going to give you a deal. You can go down the street and you can go to the local office of that same company and get the same exact price. The bundling scheme. I love the bundling scheme. If you buy 57 things from me, I'll give you a cheaper price. Of course, everything works that way. You go over here and you buy 57 things, they give you a better deal. So you mentioned a little bit ago, you were a captive agent right. and you don't like that. What is the difference between being like with you having your own company and being a captive agent? I didn't like it for me because of the limitations. If I'm a captive agent, then I must sell you what I sell, regardless of whether that's the most appropriate thing for you or not. Because if I don't sell it, I'm going to get fired or I'm going to be very hungry because I'm not going to make any money. And the limitations of that, for me personally, was a great problem. Mm -hmm. Now, for some people it works, and it works because they'd rather be on that track of only selling red rubber balls. But if you don't need a red rubber ball, I don't want you to get a red rubber ball. So being mm -hmm. an integrated broker means that I don't have to focus on the company. I can focus on what you need. You know, I think a great illustration of that, Mike, about three years ago when I it was time for me to get Medicare, um, I went to Don. Mm -hmm. He took a piece of paper, set it in front of me, and proceeded to write and draw upside down. So as he was talking and writing, it was there. And he made these columns. And he said, so if you get this, this and this and this comes with it. But if you need something else, and then... He explained it all out, and at the end, it was just clear what I needed and what was going to be the best for for Ronnie and I. So it, do you do that with more than just Medicare? Well, the best example right now is auto and homeowners, where people uh, we hired a new person. She comes in. She goes, XYZ has the cheapest price. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Yes, they do. I said they had the cheapest price for you because you don't pay for your insurance. How do you know that? Because I know your father, he pays for your insurance. Yours is part of his. As such, he, he has 57 things put together. He gets a better deal. You're just part of it. I said, just for kicks, let's call that company up. Pretend that you have a real job, a real paycheck. You buy your own insurance. 
guess what? Her price tripled. And so we call it death by a thousand cuts, where that's an entry level. Then you don't notice that they bumped you $20. It went up 57 bucks. Didn't even phase you. It was part of your mortgage. The things went up. They increased. Now, lately, it's not $57. It goes up 30%. Or the other day, there was a company went up 47%. Now, everybody's out there trying to nickel and dime it and see, can I cut this piece over here? No, because you've wrapped it all together. So it depends on what part of insurance that you're really looking at. Commercial insurance has some interesting pieces to it, the liability policies for businesses, buildings, those types. We have one right now where the company says we'll cover the building, but we won't cover it if it burns to the ground. That's a fascinating thought. Yeah. Gee, I'm, you know, if it falls over or the wind blows it over, we'll cover it. But if you set it on fire, that's a problem. So there, there <laughs> are different products, different things where we'll see that in different ways. Now, Don, we hear in the news that uh, a lot of folks are having issues with their homeowners where it, in regards to having roofs that are too old and there's companies driving through neighborhoods like crazy saying, we'll get you. Uh, we'll get your insurance company to cover that, et cetera, et cetera. What's going on there? Well, remember, insurance companies are in business to make a profit. They are not in business to pay claims. That's not what they're there for. And so have we had situations in Florida? Absolutely. Are we going to have ongoing situations? Absolutely. The state legislatures tried to address some of that. The problem with that is you're trying to design something that will work better. The one thing that works better is competition. The more competition you have, then the better for that consumer. We have a, several problems in Florida right now. I mentioned captive companies. The state has ended up in a position where a product that is state-sanctioned, captive companies are allowed to sell it. If you can push that business off to another entity instead of doing it yourself, you have no incentive to lower the cost. Mm. None. I've had that conversation with three state representatives, and we're still having that conversation. And consumers, on the other hand, we just talked to a consumer the other day. You have to maintain this property. If you don't maintain this property, then the company doesn't want it as a risk. Uh, imagine an auto warranty company, and they find out that you got two flat tires, your brakes don't work, and barely the motor starts. Mm, yeah. They're not going to want to come by and warranty that vehicle. Right. And you have a similar thing with homes where if you don't keep it up, if you don't, I've already changed out my roof, my electric panels, and, and several things to make sure that as the companies change, my house is going to be prepared to be insured. So there's a lot of variables in those things. Well, so the the, the name of the game then is stay on top of your house. Literally. <laughs> the name of the game is be a good consumer. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're going to be, a, and I realize how difficult that is because insurance yeah. can be that complicated. Don, you mentioned, uh, probably not on the air, but we were talking the fact that you get so many calls and you talk to so many people because y'all answer the phone. Right. And so it, is it common that when you call an insurance company, you don't get to talk to anybody? Well, you might get to talk to somebody. Generally, you're going to get to talk to somebody in their claims area, mm. uh, which, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. But we're going to take that. I mean, all my customers have my cell phone. You go, oh, my God, they have your cell phone. Yes, they do. People call me uh, practically every evening I'm taking calls, and even sometimes on weekends. And the vast majority of those calls have virtually nothing to do with us per se. 
lady got a letter from an insurance company the other day. We're listed as her agent. She calls me up to complain about the letter. But I didn't send you a letter. Yes, you did. Your name's on here. I know my name's on there, but I didn't send that to you. Then why did they send it to me? Well, and went through the whole letter with her to try and explain to her why they sent her a letter. Well, I know where it comes to auto insurance. You always say, if you have an issue, call me first before you you call the company. Never, ever call an insurance company without calling your agent first. Never, ever. So, Don, tell us your number, how somebody can can reach you. Well, they can call the office at 407-359-5904 or 407-965-4166. And the website? And we have no auto attendance. Somebody is going to take that call. And the websites are kirkendallinsurance.com and affordableone.com. We spell out the one, O-N-E. Well, Don, thank you so much for being our guest. The time flew by very quickly. So for Mark Goldstein, Mike Gillen, Don Kirkendall, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Shepherded Work. Tune in next week as Mark will introduce you to another marketplace leader who will show you how to live your Christian faith in every place you work and live. The Shepherded Work, sponsored by the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, building kingdom, business, and community. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.